Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Well, welcome back to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm Dave Ripper from Crossway Christian Church here in Southern New Hampshire, and we are on day 32 of a 40-day journey where we are learning and praying about how to cultivate greater spiritual freedom so that God's kingdom might come and his will would be done in and through us. In other words, that heaven might get into us. Within our journey, we've been spending several days exploring reliable patterns of spiritual transformation. We looked at John 15 of this movement from abiding to obedience to abundance. We looked at the vim factor, vision, intention, and means. And right now, we're taking a day at a time to look at what Dallas Willard called the golden triangle of spiritual growth. We've looked at a couple sides, a couple angles of this triangle, and now we're going to look at the last part of this, which is about the spiritual disciplines, the planned disciplines for a new heart. And when taken together with a life centered on the mind of Christ, with the first angle or side of the triangle being the temptations and circumstances of life, Paired with the action of the Holy Spirit, these planned disciplines for a new heart bring about a dynamic, spiritual, transformational possibility in our lives. So to explore this kind of third side of the triangle of spiritual disciplines, Willard anchors his thoughts from Colossians 3, 12 through 17 and 1 Peter 1, 5 through 10. Let's take some time to listen to God's word together now. First, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love how Paul crafts this through the Spirit's inspiration, gives us a vision of these virtues being developed in our lives. Compassion, humility, kindness, patience, meekness, love, that are exemplified through forgiveness. And then he tells us some of the means by which we might 
cultivate these virtues. Gratitude. Dwelling in God's word. Encouraging and teaching one another. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Attempting to do everything in the name of Jesus, which means acting on his behalf with his resources. That's Colossians 3. And then Willard also anchors his teaching on the spiritual disciplines here within this golden triangle of transformation from 1 Peter 5, or 1, 5 through 10. But to try and create a little better understanding and for context purposes, let me read for us now 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 11 to kind of frame out this passage a little bit better for our understanding. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. Such a rich text that I would encourage you to go back over and over. I believe Willard references this because you start to see this dynamic of spiritual growth and what he calls this golden triangle at work. You start to notice things about the testing of your faith through suffering various trials that purifies us to help us become more like Jesus. We see the action of the Holy Spirit. And as we'll talk a little bit more today, these spiritual disciplines enable, I believe, that work of the Spirit through the context and the raw material of our trials to transform us more and more. So what are the spiritual disciplines? Well, they are activities, many engaged in by Jesus himself, such as solitude and study, service and secrecy, fasting and worship. They are ways in which we undertake to follow the New Testament mandate to put to death or make no provision for the earthly aspects of our lives. And as Colossians 3 tells us, to put on the new person. I love how Willard writes in The Divine Conspiracy, I almost never meet someone in spiritual coldness, perplexity, and distress who is regular in the use of those spiritual exercises that will be obvious to anyone familiar with the contents of the New Testament. Let me read that once more. Willard says he almost never meets someone who is experiencing a state of spiritual coldness or perplexity or distress 
who is in the regular use of the spiritual exercises that I've mentioned above. Now, just to preface that, Willard was someone who, I think, following uh, St. John of the Cross, who did believe that there was such a thing as a dark night of the soul, times when we still have our spiritual routines and our spiritual practices in place, but somehow it seems that God is strangely absent. And in that more dark place, even if we can't sense God, he is often doing work that we don't understand or can't recognize in the moment. But after the fact, sometimes years after the fact, we realize God was doing something in that time. So we are to remain faithful and steadfast, even if we're at a dry point spiritually. But I think what Willard's point is, it's rare for people to be living in a spiritual coldness or perplexity or distress who are regularly engaging in spiritual exercises. And oftentimes, we kind of have a bargain or a agreement we make with God. When you're bringing good circumstances into my life, then I'll probably go to church or be in a group or serve or read or pray. But when things start going poorly, it's almost like we kind of punish God. Well, you're not upholding your end of the deal, so I'm going to stop doing these things. But the reality is when those harder times in our life are occurring and they inevitably will and probably are for many of us who are listening right now, this is not a time to fall away. This is a time to lean in and double down on our spiritual practices. Things like study and service and solitude and silence. Let me talk a little bit about the dynamic of how spiritual disciplines work in relation to the sins that we try to eradicate from our lives. Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, does one of the best jobs of trying to explain these dynamics. And the spirit behind the disciplines is the spirit of Christ-like love. The goal of doing these disciplines is not to get really good at things like fasting or being silent. The goal of doing these things is to become more pervaded with Christ-like love, with agape love. And if we're doing a spiritual practice and it's actually birthing greater ego or arrogance or haughtiness, if we're starting to look down upon other people because, wow, I know I read the Bible so much more than they do, I must be better off. Willard would actually counsel us then maybe take a break from doing this thing because you're probably not doing it in the right way because Christ-like compassionate love is not being formed within you. But typically, we have two types of sins um, that many writers throughout the ages have described. There are sins of commission, things we do that we shouldn't do. And there are sins of omissions, things that we're called to do, but we don't do. Now, corresponding to these sins are disciplines of engagement, things that we do, like study, prayer, service, fellowship, giving, confession, and the list could go on. And then there's also disciplines of abstinence, things that we do that are largely refraining from things that are a normal part of our ordinary life. Disciplines of abstinence would include solitude, abstaining from the community of others, Silence, abstaining from speaking or the noise that just permeates our lives. Fasting, abstaining from 
food or drink or technology. It could be many different things. Uh, Secrecy, abstaining from making our good deeds known. Hard to do in social media times, right? Now, what's fascinating is that the disciplines of engagement help us overcome the sins of omission. Let's say there are things that God is calling you to do, but you're not doing. Well, perhaps increasing your efforts to practice spiritual engagements like study or sharing your faith or service or fellowship and maybe being more open within the safe context are things that can help you do that you're not doing, but God calls you to. Disciplines of engagement essentially help strengthen our doing muscles. Let's say, for instance, that you struggle speaking up, maybe to share your faith, even to just talk when when there's important things that God would have you to say to others. Well, perhaps fellowship could be an important spiritual discipline that you would engage with. And engaging in fellowship by opening up more, being available and vulnerable to others. And in the context of sharing in a safe space, you can have your kind of sharing muscles strengthened so that when God calls you to, to, to talk about your, your, your faith or to, uh, to bring comfort to someone, you're going to be more able to do that. So disciplines engage, engagement help us overcome sins of omission by strengthening our doing muscles. Then there's disciplines of abstinence. And they help us overcome sins of commission. One of the classic illustrations I remember Dallas teaching when I studied under him was talking about the relationship of the sin of lust, a sin of commission, and how it relates to fasting. Lust, and he would often say lusting for bodies, That's a way of framing that sexual temptation to help it really be describing what it is. You're not lusting after a person. You are lusting after a body in the majority of cases. And the lust after bodies, Willard would often say, could help to be overcome by the discipline of abstinence of fasting. Now, how could that be? Well, in fasting, we refrain from giving our bodies the stimulation, the enjoyment that we might want from food, from beverage, uh, from whatever that might be. And when we practice fasting, we strengthen our not doing muscles. We strengthen our capacity to not give in to the body bodily cravings that we have. And as we strengthen those not doing muscles uh, to not give in to the bodily cravings we have, we become the kind of people who more easily and routinely just wouldn't have an appetite to lust after others. Willard made fasting a weekly practice for a large portion of his life. I think I remember him saying it was Wednesdays that he often would fast uh, maybe the whole day or at least a meal or two throughout that time. When we studied uh, with Willard, that's what we did. We, we fasted, uh, I think, for one meal on Wednesday. And there was something powerful about all of us doing that together. And so these planned disciplines for a new heart, engaging in the spiritual disciplines, 
Help us become available to the work of the Holy Spirit who wants to use the circumstances and trials of our life to form us more and more into the image of Christ. And these three sides of the golden triangle of spiritual transformation belong together. No one of the three will give us a heart like Christ without the other two. None can take the place of each other. And yet each, when connected to the others, will certainly bring us to an ever-increasing sense of Christ-likeness and actual Christ-likeness. And Willard finally writes, when we accept moment-to-moment events and tribulations as the place where we receive God's provision, we patiently anticipate the action of his Spirit in our lives. And in hope, we do, not, we do our best to find the ways in which our inner self-care or our inner self can take on the character of the children of the highest. This is the path, Willard writes, of radical change. Change sufficient to meet the needs of the world and prepare a people to be the habitation of God. So friends, may you accept the moment-to-moment events and trials that you are going through even right now as the place where you can receive God's provision. May you patiently anticipate the action of the Holy Spirit in your life. And may in hope you do your best through the practice of these spiritual disciplines to take on the character of Christ so that through this path of radical change, we may become the kind of people in whom the needs of the world can best be met as heaven gets into us. We'll talk some more about how we can arrange our lives to more easily and routinely be these kind of people to do all that God would say in our remaining episodes. And so may God's grace and peace and power and strength be with you as you put off the old self and put on the new. May God allow heaven to get into you. We'll see you next time.